boy, by my tag team partner, and really the star of this show, the deadliest catch, Lee Brando. That's me. That is you. I'm still rocking out to the uh, the playing music, whatever you call that. Our very own entrance theme. Our the, the, the theme, theme of this podcast. The theme of our podcast. Yes. Wow! 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 Okay, okay, on the docket for this episode, we are going to talk about uh, Money in the Bank, which uh, just happened, talk about the fallout that happened afterwards, and where WWE, I guess, is going from here with their storylines, things we liked, things we, maybe we didn't like, um, we'll, we'll cover the, try and cover the gambit um, of, uh, of the stories, including a... Uh, an appearance by some new talent. Well, half of them were new. Half of them have been there before. Yeah. Um, so where do you want to start? Do we want to do we want to start with the fact that uh, the story that seemed to got to get lost this week in that Mike Bennett is in WWE and Maria Canellis is back. You mean Mike Canellis? I mean, like, uh, sure, They're the same person. They're Mike he, and Maria Canellis. He he took her name. He did. Which was JBL's reaction, <laughs> which was like the only bit of like this person may have been known by something else. Yeah. Um, he, did it in, he did it in such a way that you almost wonder if they told him at all that they were coming out. Now, so they bypassed uh, NXT, right? They just went to the Correct. main roster. Correct. The And we talked about those rumors a few uh, a month or so ago. You that, heard it here. That uh, Bennett and uh, Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis were out of Impact Wrestling and were essentially their contracts had either expired or they let them go. Um, and from there, it was obvious that they were probably headed to uh, – the land of the mainstream, aka WWE, kid. Yes, to to the mecca of sports entertainment, which is a weird thing to say, given that I think that used to be Madison Square Garden, and Madison Square Garden doesn't get TV anymore. I guess they uh, they don't really. Huh. They definitely run it for live shows, but that's about it. Yeah, the that's it, and they do network specials. Yeah, that's true. So. Madison Square Garden, the uh, WWE's home arena, as it were, and they never actually run TV there anymore. Remember, because the one thing with that is the pay-per-views are always really good. Like, when they would do pay-per-views, because Madison Square Garden is kind of a smaller venue than they're used to, and because it's a weird setup with how they had to do the stage, they always essentially filled Madison Square Garden and had the entrance... Uh, this they didn't really have a stage per se. They yeah. had that like weird entrance door that was actually uh straight across from hard cam. Yeah, which uh back in the day used to just be a curtain. <laughs> which they over time as technology got better and as they started doing more with their stages and LEDs, they got to have a lot more fun with those doors. Um uh, I remember uh, incorporating them into entrances. They had a Royal Rumble there once. 2008 is it was the just, most recent. Yeah, it was just some lights, and that was it. Same, nope. same small entrance. No Although pyro. For, uh, for WrestleMania 20, they did 
block off a good portion of the arena and set up a, a pretty elaborate stage. Um, As I remember, that was a pretty big stage for a, for an arena like that. It was a pretty big stage for an arena, and it was especially when you take into account Madison Square Garden. I I'm not sure if it had been under the most recent renovation at that time because it was. Oh four. They have since renovated yeah. Madison Square Garden since then. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's maybe uh, a slightly bigger now, um, but still, I mean, there's only so much space that that building is gonna hold, um, and there's there's a few rooms in that being the building. It's kind of a complex, and I know that for in the past they've used uh, different areas of the Madison Square Garden sports complex. Uh, for other things, like I believe there may have been a Lions Den match once, or something along those lines, like one of those weird offshoot matches. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've definitely made the most of Madison Square Garden, but it is weird uh, that they don't really have any prominent events there. I guess WrestleMania has outgrown it, so from a money standpoint, uh, it's not worth it to do. Um, but you could. Is I it wonder in the Barclays Center because I mean, so SummerSlam is going to be right there. I'm glad you bring that up because I am currently looking. Uh, as they would say in college, never use Wikipedia as a source. But this isn't college, so I'm Why going not? to Wikipedia. Why not um, use Wikipedia? Anybody can edit it, so you know that you know if it's a medical page, doctors can edit it. You know, medical students can edit it. People who want to be funny can edit it, so it says f- weird and funny things. Well, why would you do that? I don't know. You have to ask the people who would want to ruin it that. for everyone else. I suppose so. There's certain Wikipedia pages that are locked because of that. <laughs> um, I we won't go into that, but anyways, according to um, Madison Square Garden's Wikipedia page, currently Madison Square Garden's capacity for professional wrestling is eighteen thousand five hundred. Which makes it bigger and have more capacity than Barclays Center. Now, even if they that's haven't, inflated, they but. have not done. Uh, no, that's actual numbers. Those aren't Vince's like inflated numbers. Those those are real because you look. Boxing as their chief capacity is twenty thousand seven eighty nine. Yeah. They can fit in for basketball nineteen thousand eight twelve. Ice hockey eighteen thousand and six. Uh, concerts at 20,000, which all of these numbers make perfect sense. So, yeah. Um, their most recent renovation was um, actually a couple of years ago. They did some renovation work. Um, they did a big renovation back in the 90s, but um, they, uh, they did some upkeep, essentially, more recently. But I don't think that... WWE has done television in Madison Square Garden since Barclays opened. And I I don't I having not researched this before we started this conversation, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. My assumption is it would. Was that was Madison Square Garden the first elimination chamber match at Survivor Series of like oh five? Uh that would have been first elimination chamber would have been Survivor Series 03. 03? Yeah. Uh, the reason I know that is because Shawn Michaels' brown pants. Oh, yes. Who could forget? And that was really like his only heavyweight title run 
after he came back, you know. That that was his only heavyweight yeah. title run Which after is he came back. Very interesting. Um Survivor Series 2003. Yes, it was weird that he didn't get another title run. He had plenty of title matches. I think it was his doing. I think it, it was his opinion that he shouldn't have it. But what a different world we would live in if, say, he didn't want to give it up. And then John Cena couldn't have had John Cena's run, you know, until Sean decided to retire. That, that would have been interesting. Uh, Survivor Series 2003, hosting the first Elimination Chamber match. Wait a minute. Hang on. I retract my statement. I don't know. No, no, no. This wouldn't have been 2003. This would have been 2002. Because 2003 was Goldberg Uh, and... um, Even further back. Goldberg and Triple H. So that is my mistake because I thought it was a little later, but you... Remember that 2002 obviously was the year he returned. Yep. yep. You immediately look at the uh, the poster for it, and it's Rob Van Dam. There was another poster for it. Oh, Saliva was the theme song. Yeah. Uh, Always by Saliva, which I don't know if I've ever heard. You are correct, though. Oh, this yeah. was held in – oh, you're right. I have heard that song before. You should not <laughs> sing any more of it, though, because we'll get sued. Yeah. Um, but you get You get one second. You get one second, because I think we any more than that, we have to pay for it. Yeah. Um, Madison Square Garden, the announced attendance, 17,930. Yeah. If that is accurate, which we don't know, because we don't know where this figure comes from, um, which it actually might be legit. I don't know if this is actually numbers from um, WWE. WWE. But um, let's see here. Yeah, I think this was actually these were real numbers. I don't think these were WWE fudged numbers. Um, I believe that is accurate. So seventeen thousand nine hundred and thirty, and that is with an elimination chamber and what would have could have only been a regular stage. Yeah, not like the Madison Square Garden stage. So I guess it's not as small as you would assume. I think it might just no. be how they do the seatings for seating for pro wrestling. Yeah, and it it might be it's too hard to rearrange everything and the the locker rooms and everything probably let out very conveniently from that one spot not from anywhere else mm-hmm. um but so yeah madison square garden to say the very least is a very prestigious building in pro wrestling i mean how many wrestlemanias uh summer survivor series uh royal rumbles i mean everything's been there the first hell uh, uh elimination chamber um you know so many moments uh I remember a Triple H Rock ladder match for the IC title from like 97, maybe. Um, Just awesome. And it is a little sad that uh, they don't, it doesn't have a prominent place or hasn't in in recent years um, in the WWE. I just pulled up a list because I was curious. We were just looking, I was looking at the posters. Yeah. And I just punched in best WWE pay per view posters. And dot com actually has Bray Wyatt Battleground, which I twenty fourteen, which actually is a cool poster. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so it's just like fifty photos of different pay per view posters, uh, which I find to be kind of interesting and entertaining. Um, oh, that's nice. This is Survivor Series of uh, nineteen ninety four. 
it's time to meet your maker and it's Undertaker and it's got like a it's uh, like a total ripoff of a uh, Tombstone or Wyatt Earp or something Unforgiven like that. something Unforgiven, like that yeah live on pay per view. <laughs> Uh, go look for this, by the way, because this is actually kind of an interesting oh slideshow. Randy Orton without all the additional tattoos I had forgotten. No Mercy 2007. Uh, oh, I remember, remember that one. So the one remember, and only Breaking Point. Do you point. remember Breaking Point? The one and only. I thought it was a good name for pay-per-view, but the, the gimmick was all submission matches. Uh, yeah, the gimmick. They made it gimmick-based, so it yeah. was all submission matches. Uh, I agree. I thought it was a really great idea for a name. A lot of cool things you could have done with it, but of course, the all-submission thing kind of killed it. You know what I find weird? They always put the talent's name somewhere on the poster, as if you're not aware. That is true. You know. Uh, not for the Royal Rumble, like a, because it's like everybody. Yeah, unless it's like everybody. But if it's just one guy or two Can guys. we just talk about this 2008 Royal Rumble poster? Jeff Hardy... And The Miz are in the front of this poster. We argue about posters, and Jeff Hardy and The Miz are in the front. And there's Randy Orton getting punched by Batista, who's... I can't tell. In the back, is that Finley or Heidenreich? That, <laughs> that is the Sandman, my friend. Is it? This, uh, this oh, no. podcast <laughs> just took the worst turn. Two people looking at a photo... <laughs> that you can't see. You should go look at these photos. They're we awesome. Do it, we do it for us, folks, not for you. Don't don't get ahead of yourself. I remember how much better the poster for December to Dismember it was than the actual pay-per-view. Yeah. That actually is a really awesome poster. It is. It is It's cool. the Sandman, of, if you haven't seen it, which I'm sure you have, is a sand, like a chimney, Christmas lights on it, and it's the Sandman's arm coming out with it. It's like a Singapore dark game. Home Alone. Really? That's one of your best? Rollins versus Lesnar at Battleground 2015? I guess in a sense cool, that it looks like a MMA poster or something like that. Oh, I <laughs> see I so have a warm Survivor space series, in my heart for like the old cartoony posters, which those show up pretty regularly obviously in the yeah. early 90s and it's Lex Luger holding a knife. But it's a carving knife. Eyeing a, uh, a turkey, turkey that is clearly supposed to be Yokozuna. Can Which we talk about little, Tatanka for a, a minute? Violent. Talk about Tatanka well, for just was, a minute. Well, he was a Native American, and it's no, the no, Thanksgiving no. tradition. I'm actually not. I wasn't even going to talk about that. I was only going to talk about the fact that Tatanka, who they pushed for going like two years undefeated in the early 90s, but never really got a big push outside of his first like initial run, kind of disappeared. Yeah. He came back in the mid-2000s. He did. And within a few months, he was a jobber, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, jobbing out to guys like uh, Mr. Kennedy and MVP and those type of guys. Even Tatanka in his 40s could have been a cool character Yeah. in what would have been mid-2000s SmackDown. Yeah, he, he could have been. But when... I, You know, I just don't really trust them to uh to do kind of good unique he would probably be like an older mentor e a wise character there's just not a lot of room for that everything uh like we were talking about earlier today everything is hot shotted and they don't take their time with the storylines anymore you know mm-hmm. you can't really dive in 
We're looking at more pictures. This is uh, <laughs> Judgment Day 09. It's a pretty good one. Edge is s- severely underrated. Uh, there's some good ones in here. Remember Bragging Rights as a pay-per-view? Uh, see, Bragging the Rights is... 2010 where they tried to squeeze in the Nexus logo when they <laughs> thought Nexus still mattered come October of that year. The problem with uh, Bragging Rights is... SmackDown versus Raw, not the video game, just the idea of it, could have been a very money-making idea to do maybe once a year. Mm-hmm. But they just made it so cheesy with bragging rights and the trophy and the big multi-man match. It's like, we have Survivor Series. You don't have to do the same exact thing, mm-hmm. you know, a month later or whatever. Remember, uh, wh- what about some of your favorite pay-per-view names like new year's revolution so i got started watching wrestling uh i've said this before i started watching wrestling in 2006 Mm -hmm. so the first outside of wrestlemania because most people have heard of wrestlemania at least yeah i would would the first pay-per-view i'd ever heard of for wrestling when i started actually watching it was the great american bash (laughs) which was kind of stolen from WCW. Well, I mean, yeah, they they owned it, but yeah, it was a WCW. Well, obviously, thing they bought the rights to right. all the trademarks and everything, so that part made sense. I always liked that, yeah, even though it was originally WCW. Um, how about we do this? What what? So, I like Great American Bash, but that's because I kind of had a tie to it. Um. I liked No Way Out when they started incorporating Elimination Chamber into it before they just started calling it Elimination Chamber. Right. And No um, Way Out is back now, right? No. It's still Elimination or Chamber. No Mercy. That's the one that came back. No Mercy. Yeah. Um. Uh, Vengeance was always cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Bad Blood with two Ds. <laughs> yes. You have to ensure you put two Ds. Yep. Um. I don't oh, know. that you, was. Uh, did you have a favorite? That was Punk's last. No, it was that Punk's last Royal Rumble. Punk's last Rumble was 2014. Oh, okay, so the year because I think he got eliminated by Kane. Yeah. Um, Corporate Kane. Mayor Kane. Um, <laughs> did uh, so what? What do you have a particular favorite? Hmm. Of all pay-per-views, that's tough. You know, I always, um, yep, I got to think about it. We'll come back. It'll spring to mind. Because I don't know if I could pick a favorite, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. And some of them, uh, some of them just weren't good. Like, it's easier to pick the dumb ones. Like, WCW Greed. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I forgot that existed. Yeah. Also, I went to Survivor Series 2009. <laughs> was it in uh, D.C.? Yes, it was. I went to SummerSlam 05. Yeah. Oh, that's that cool. DC. That was... Oh, Extreme So this Rules. is Extreme Rules 2009. I went to that, too. Yeah. I actually... Oh, no, excuse me. I went to Extreme Rules 2010. Yeah. And the poster for that was Sheamus. Yeah. Um, And kind of an all-white with red lettering. And his, obviously, his orange red 
yeah. ginger facial hair. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I have that actually over there. I have that as a DVD. Any pay-per-view I went to, I would buy the DVD so I could go back and watch it. It was also a good way of me remembering mm-hmm. which one I went to. Because ne- we were never in good enough seats that you could ever find me. But well, it was thing. cool to have it. You got to get the worst seats. That's what makes it good. Which is pretty much what we did at Extreme Rules. Yep. So anyway, Extreme Rules 09. It's Rey Mysterio and his mask is the patterns on it. It's kind of divided up into like you, there's a little bit of Kane's tights, a little bit of uh, Jericho. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Edge, Edge, MVP. MVP for some reason. Who is that? Where there's on the on when you're looking at the post on the left hand side, it's green. Yeah. Email at, us at uh <laughs> over the barricade at gmail.com. Over the barricade podcast. Over the barricade podcast at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And if you know who is on the leftmost side of uh this well, it would be Ray Mysterio's right, but if you're looking at it it's your left. His mask. We need to know. I am very curious. I'm sure I could probably Google search it. Oh, remember ice cream bars? They I put do. That remember when they were going to, it seemed like they were going to sell them for real? <laughs> he got ice cream bars over, and yeah. they didn't sell them. They and they, sell I them. thought they'd do it again this year with New Day, and they no. Still didn't. Maybe, there's, maybe it's just too expensive. Cereal they can do, but anything that requires you refrigeration. You mean overly expensive, qu- not quite as good as Lucky Charms, mm-hmm. Lucky Charms? But it's they make booty sure you're booty cow. They well, uh, Great American Bash no, 2004. <laughs> wow, you know whose name isn't on this poster? <laughs> Her name is not. Uh, join our party. <laughs> uh, no, it's that's not, interesting. It's not Subway either. This is the second women's. Uh, this is the second woman that's been on one of these posters that has no name attached to it. Interesting. I'm pretty sure it's Tori Wilson. <laughs> it is Tori Wilson. Yeah. It's been forever since I've really seen Tori Wilson. That doesn't say now, Stephanie. No. Oh, yes, it does. There it is. Yep. There it is, Stephanie McMahon. Maybe maybe it's just in white font on the Tori Wilson one. This has got to be the worst podcast to listen to. They're like, what are they looking at? Talk <laughs> about wrestling. <laughs> That's <laughs> why we do it for us and it's not for we, other people. In, in many years, we're going to look back on this and we're going to go, you know what? That was good. Yeah, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Go back. Okay. Uh, this Survivor, is Survivor Series, Series 1997. And it's just some silhouettes. Karate of, Fighters yeah. presents Survivor Series, and it's in gang rules. It's up on the top, but rules, you know how it's – we're in the Attitude Era because it's, cause it's we R-U-L-Z. That. Ironically, nobody remembers the poster from this particular Survivor <laughs> Series. They remember something else. Gang rolls. Gang rolls. I couldn't even tell you who those people are. That's a cool poster. Extreme Rules 2015, John Cena, red, white, and blue with Extreme Rules going around him. That's not bad. What is that? like? No, that was 2015. I was going to say, what is that? Right after he made uh, the Marine or something? Which I would have assumed, yeah. but no, this was pretty recent. Yeah. Uh, I Unforgiven wait, was Wait, 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 wait. Unforgiven. Oh, hang on. This is important, Okay. <laughs> Okay, so Unforgiven, Unforgiven 1999, and it's got Ministry of Darkness, Undertaker, um, and it's got him holding lightning. I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. Hold on. Um, 
I'm. It's got him holding, basically, he's got lightning going down towards the name of Unforgiven. Apparently, with this pay-per-view, you, you got, got a free, free WWF The Music Volume 2 CD. But wait, there's more. Some of these posters and some of these pay-per-views were sponsored. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen a few, like I said, Karate Fighters. Or Subway. Subway, yeah. we've, we've mentioned already. We've seen a few. This one is very interesting because I haven't seen this before, and apparently neither have you. I'm just, worlds are colliding right now World for me. Wrestling Federation Unforgiven brought to you by Magic the Gathering. That's right. <laughs> what a perfect, I wonder if they were like, look, we're going to sponsor your pay-per-view, but we want The Undertaker on the front because that's the most Magic the Gathering wrestler you got. What if they didn't have a choice and they were just like, well, it wouldn't make sense otherwise. Who else, who are we going to put out there? Trish Stratus. <laughs> Well, it's 19... Oh, yeah, Doink, I guess, was still around in 1999. (laughs) Put out Goldust. Vengeance was always cool. Payback, I don't mind. But you can't... Like, we talked about this before. You cannot have Payback and Backlash. No, you can't. Especially back-to-back. It's just stupid. Remember Ryback? Uh, Yeah, I do. I had I, this poster, I SummerSlam like this 2009. And I, you know what I remember? The Presented themes, by 7-Eleven. The theme song for this was Rip It Up by uh, Jet. Jet. I loved this one. I, I do don't know why that. I remember that, but I do. I, okay, so this was right around Jeff Hardy's end of his time in WWE. Yep. He did SummerSlam. Uh, and then the following week on SmackDown, he left. Uh, that SmackDown aired the 29th. That was his last SmackDown in WWE until... Obviously, he came back this year. Um, I went to a SmackDown that summer because it was in Baltimore. uh, And that SmackDown was the closest I've ever been to the ring at a TV. And I was one section back from the commentators. And we were probably towards the back of that section. But I brought a very bright green sign so I could see it in case I got caught at some point. And... It was pretty empty around us, which surprised me. Hmm. But I threw the sign up, and it can't, It went up in a Michelle McCool tag team match. And I think it was <laughs> Michelle McCool and Layla were in a tag team at that point. Lay Cool. <laughs> yep. We're in a tag team at that point. Who doesn't? Who forgets about Lay Cool? Nobody. Not The Undertaker. No. <laughs> this is Kofi Kingston uh, post-gimmick, uh, post-Jamaican uh, gimmick. Accent. accent. Uh, It's still the same gimmick, but post accent. His his last name is still Kingston, so I'm assuming he hasn't ditched it completely. He still had uh, like this weird reggae uh, entrance theme. Yeah, I had that album, that WWE music album. I bought a few of them for free. No. Um, This is cool cool though. This is a throwback poster. It's nice. I like it. Yep. That's the Extreme Rules 2010. That is what's on the presented by KFC. That is what is on the cover of the DVD that I have. And it's just Seamus, who, if you remember at the time, was being called the Great White. Oh, no. Which was such an awful name. Segway. I was reading. We're right at the end of our posters okay, anyway, well, so good time. Um, Go ahead. I've <coughs> only, I'm going to do one more. That one's okay. You'll never know which one it was. <laughs> um, okay, that's was it. We're going to stop looking at posters, which we've been doing for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> in 2006 or seven, mm-hmm. the big show 
his contract ran out with the WWE, mm-hmm. and he decided. Uh, th- this was, I believe, right at the end of his run as ECW champion. Yes, I believe he lost that title to Bobby Lashley. Yeah, and he decided that um, he was going to take some time away from wrestling, and he lived in kind of uh, he lived in Florida, but he lived a, a few hours away from Hogan, who was his good friend and still is, and. Hogan got in his head that he should go into boxing <laughs> because there's there wasn't and there really hasn't been since a blockbuster star in the heavyweight division of boxing. And he he talked him up. He got in his head. He said, nobody can knock you out. You know, you're you're seven foot tall. You're 500 pounds. You're Boy. you know, you you've got. Good speed and long arms, you know, you'll just take everyone out. How did I never know about this? I don't, <laughs> I didn't know about it either. Anyway, so um, Hogan actually convinced Big Show to move from where he was living a couple hours away, and uh, and move down uh, next to Hulk, and start training boxing. They set the whole thing up. They had a they had a money guy behind him who was funding the whole thing. Same guy that was funding Brooke Hogan's music career. Well, we can tell that person didn't have good judgment. No, he didn't. And um you know, like Big Show apparently he, he can't just live in any house. He needs kind of special things. Well, yeah, as a man who's 7 foot tall. Yeah. Yeah, you generally need to have houses that are have taller archways and yeah. higher ceilings. So to move from uh, his home that he had built uh, a few hours away was was a lot. And um, sorry, I made an expression because I just saw the poster for Money in the Bank 2017. Oh, the and it's the yeah. new day on the yellow brick road, which yeah. I didn't know about until right now. It's very bright colors. Yeah, uh, it's weird. Go on. But anyway, um. So it it all kind of fell apart because, you know, Hogan uh well first off Nick Hogan his son had uh that's right around the time he got in that bad accident and his friend uh got paralyzed. I don't want to speak about it cuz I'm not I exactly think, sure. Well, I think the friend was killed. Was the friend killed? I, I, th- I thought he was just paralyzed so. or something. Continue with your story. I will um, I will fact check you. So, so Nick Hogan gets into that accident. Um Hogan's marriage Linda starts to fall apart and Hogan is no longer a um, kind of a cheerleader, a motivator to Big Show. And so Big Show starts to kind of wane in his want to do this boxing, but he's so far along, he's learned so much and then he gets into a sparring match with, uh, with an Olympic boxer and even though you know it was understood that they weren't going to be hitting full force. They were going to be pulling their punches and everything because they were just sparring. Just something about the angle of one of these punches that the Olympian threw uh, knocked Big Show out. And he had never been knocked out, according to him at that point. Um, so it was a real eye-opener for him. And he drives home, uh, but really all he remembers is being in the ring and then sitting in his driveway with his car running. And nothing in between. So that really freaked him out. And that's when he gave it up. But I'm tying it all back in because Hogan goes, you know what your name is going to be? The Great White. 
because, if you're not aware, Big Show's real name is Paul White. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Tying it back in. Uh, I was incorrect. Nick Hogan's friend who was in the car with him was uh, not killed. He was uh, indeed. Um, there was um, heavy brain damage is oh, what okay. ended up happening. Yeah. So, uh, Not in good shape. No. Um, and, of course, Nick Hogan, uh, Nick Bolea, came out almost unscratched. Beaten up a little bit, but okay. Um, so, just weird thing to revisit just now. Bad time. Interesting story, though. If you didn't know about it, I suggest um, ESPN, I think, had a really good uh, article on it about kind of the whole process and the trainers that they brought in and the the whole journey, uh, which eventually, you know, as if you're a wrestling fan, you probably remember a big show eventually, shortly thereafter, came back to the WWE and then went into a um, boxing feud with Floyd Mayweather. Not really a boxing feud, but a, a feud with boxer Floyd Mayweather. Yes, which... Um if uh, it which actually started because of Rey Mysterio, that's true. Originally, it was going to be a tag. It was going to be Floyd Mayweather and the Big Show versus uh, Rey Mysterio and a partner, um, maybe Batista. But um, plans which, just changed around. Which uh, I think they might have changed because Mayweather broke Big Show's nose. Yeah, that that. I think they they changed. Oh yeah, they had already that. made the change before. They had that. already so, made the choice. So, uh, Big Show was was uh, he came out. He returned. I think it was No Way Out, two thousand eight, which was the last pay per view before Mania, um, and came out and attacked Rey Mysterio after a match. Mayweather was at ringside, jumped the guardrail with his entourage, and got in Big Show's face, which Big Show had to kneel down to get that to happen. Mayweather punched him a couple times, and legitimately broke his nose. Yeah. And as he tells it, the Big Show has told it, he went, like, when his nose broke, he actually got, he actually got angry. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) went to go after Mayweather for real. And Mayweather, of course, was already planning on running, because that's what was scripted to do, Uh, which is probably a good thing, because I think Big Show would have grabbed him. I don't know if he would have hit him or thrown him or anything, but he probably would have at least grabbed him and scared him. Yeah, I mean, you're you're a human being. Even if you're seven feet tall, you have a nervous system, so your nose getting broke is going to set you off. It's going to make you a little hot. So, um, which, you know, the ironic bit is that Floyd Mayweather has been one of the best celebrity like involvements well, in you know, WWE history, which is kind of sad because Mayweather's human trash. <laughs> he is a wrestling fan he is very smart uh for what you want to say about him he knows how to promote and he's told people uh in wrestling that he he steals a lot from wrestling and i'm sure conor mcgregor is the same way so basically what this big money fight that's coming up in august is two pro wrestling uh (laughs) ripoffs building a fight um that's not or shouldn't be sanctioned, but I guess will be just due to the amount of money. It's, Triple H will come out and say it's a non-sanctioned match. What you're basically watching is pro wrestling, uh, but they're going to be wearing gloves and not doing pro wrestling moves. That, except that, that's except all you're I do wish that Conor McGregor at some point would get frustrated and go full 
Roddy Piper and just take him down they at could, one point. You know, anything anything could happen. Set up the rematch. I don't know what Connor's after if he legitimately thinks that he can. He's beat after what's going to be an incredible payday of like a hundred million dollars. Probably more he than will that, never get that kind of payday in UFC. So no. even if he does nothing after this, he's really probably set. Oh, I think he's already set, but I think, I think he's he going to be too. really, really set. <laughs> yeah, Conor McGregor has been one of their one of their yeah. biggest draws but ever. It's, it's it's interesting, you know, the UFC better get something out of this because they're going to lose their biggest draw, which is Conor he, McGregor. There's he's not going to go back to fighting for a million dollars after this, you know. I mean, he might if he wants to keep like staying relevant is important. Yeah, I guess, but he could go into other things. You know, he could go into acting or whatever. Just he could be, go into wrestling. He could just be himself in in movies and stuff. I can tell you that uh, that see a million dollars for a fight. Um, so let's see, you fight three to four times a year. So you figure that's three, four million dollars just in what you're getting paid to fight MMA mm-hmm. uh, for UFC. Uh, one step further than that, Brock Lesnar made a good chunk of change last year from WWE. I believe he made $6 million. So I'd be willing to bet that WWE would be willing to give Conor McGregor somewhere in the same ballpark if he's willing to come and do some work. That would draw a lot of eyes. Perhaps. The difference, though, is that he's not a trained wrestler, whereas Brock Lesnar was. Right. Brock had that and could reassimilate very easily. Um, which, you know, a lot of people forget when Brock left WWE, he tried out for the Vikings and then he didn't just go right into MMA. He went back into pro wrestling. He went to New Japan. He went to Japan because that's the only place he could work because his contract was still, you know, technically holding him back from working in the United States. Some would say he still couldn't work because (laughs) there was a big legal legal kerfuffle. Yeah, it was it was a big scene. And then he goes, and then he gets into MMA and obviously becomes a big star in that and then comes back to WWE. But, you know, it was like MMA was like Brock's fifth career or something like that, which is crazy. Um, Whereas Connor, I'm sure he could figure it out. Um, But it's who do do you put him in the ring with? Because, you know, Conor McGregor would eat up any of the cruiserweights, which are closest to his weight class. You know, you well, put you him in there with TJP, TJP is going to die. <laughs> well, if it's, well, it's, if if you're going between work and shoot. Well, I mean, um, just in the eyes of the fans, how do you even build a match between some of those guys and have it believable enough, you know? Uh, you would probably have to do something like Mayweather Big Show 2008. Yeah, where so. You could just fight bigger guys. You could you could do McGregor Brock something UFC would never sanction. Well, that's because in real life, if that ever happened, Brock would kill him. <laughs> that's true, but that you know, that, that's, that, in all that's fairness, that's a, that's kind of a blanket statement. <laughs> that's not an indictment of Conor McGregor. That's right. simple physics and size. Like yeah, but Brock I mean, I'm saying you could say that about like anybody. You Brock could be watching Lesner... Godzilla and be like, but you know, in the real world, Brock would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh yes, Brock is Godzilla essentially in that in that analogy in most analogies yes. Uh, really quick before we go along, it was mentioned on Raw, but Enzo Amore, of course, about a week ago, talking t- 
tying it all laying, back together. Laying, you thought we weren't going anywhere when we were looking at those posters. Look at us now. Laying the smack talk via Twitter against Conor McGregor. Uh, and this was mentioned by Cass on Raw. And this was about, uh, this will be a week ago tomorrow, so last Friday. And he got a lot of a lot of rub for this. Uh, he basically says uh, to Conor McGregor at uh, at the Notorious MMA, you're welcome, Conor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your numbers are going to skyrocket now. Um, you talk S and Floyd is going to knock it out of you. And if he doesn't, I will. This came out of what I can tell nowhere because there's no lead up. Enzo's Twitter doesn't mention him at all before that. Oh, by the way, since I assume you've watched Raw, if you're listening to us, uh, he his next tweet, which was only yesterday, <laughs> uh, Big Cass threw in the towel, referencing Monday, I dried up a gangster tear with it, but I ain't throwing in the towel with no- the notorious MMA Conor McGregor. I got nothing lose, nothing to lose. What? I don't Why know if he he's doing... actually trying. I mean, it's. Is this? Is this? I don't something... think Conor McGregor is going to give him the time of day unless they already have something worked out. I mean, I Ronda Rousey imagine. appeared at WrestleMania. I yeah, that's true. Could you see Conor McGregor showing up at SummerSlam? That would be right before the Floyd fight. I don't think so. I think he's going to be too focused on it. And SummerSlam's in New York, and the fight's in Nevada, so. I mean, I don't know. You, you don't want to, you it. don't want to, when you're that close to a fight, you don't want to pull yourself out of your routine and your training, you know? Yeah, I suppose so. I just, I guess I, could, I wouldn't put it past him. We uh, could get uh, John Stewart. <laughs> could we, I love John Stewart. I love his work. I enjoy his work on television. Could we not have him show up again? I liked him in Big Daddy. <laughs> he was he was good in the faculty. <laughs> There's a reference um, for you, kids. Oh, other news before we uh, go into talking about the weekend shows. Um, I don't know if you've heard this, but the person who will be calling Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, Mara Ranallo, is returning to the WWE. I heard about this just this afternoon. After, um, what's it been, been about a month, S- six weeks, maybe less, maybe more? Since we saw Morrow? S- since he left, yeah. He left He left well before WrestleMania. Oh, gosh, time is flying by. If, if he... April, May, June, okay. I don't think he's Three called months. a match since the beginning of this year. I think it was... No, no, no. I think it was two weeks before WrestleMania, right? Because there was a point where they tried to make excuses, like he's stuck well, no, they on said a plane he was sick. or he's he was sick. stuck in a storm. That yeah. was in January. That was in January? Yeah. Wow. Where's my life gone? Uh, we've been doing this podcast for three and a half months now. So we, How many episodes do we have? Uh, this is number 14, my friend. What? And how many people listen? <laughs> Killian McMurphy? <laughs> Killian McMurphy, somebody named Josh, somebody named Andrea. We're shouting you all out. So. We are because I only know three of you. That oh, Mike. somebody named Mike. Somebody named Mike. At least one person named Mike. Yep. Um, so we we want to we want to certainly thank yeah. our returning listeners. How few of you there, there you are, go. but and you didn't think we. Knew. You're the core. You're the you are the core. You're the, the ones who can R's. say 
you no 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 <laughs> you're not, not the core two r's. r's one r we don't want this to burn up um, remember that remember that remember when the nexus fell apart and then they were like well we'll just take all the guys from the nexus and we'll make the core and then that was the worst thing ever it was so bad did it they, was such a did good, they have a wrestlemania match between like it was such a good idea but it was so poorly executed you know who I think was severely underused? Wade Barrett. Especially when he had a bigger size to him before he cut all that weight and he was like a big heavyweight. I think he really could have been a big heavyweight main event heel. Uh, I, I don't know why they they never pulled the trigger on him. but you know. I was kind of expecting him to do something somewhat on the lines of Cody Rhodes. I felt like that was going to be the same thing, but I also think that, from what I understand, he wanted to go do um, MMA. Oh, really? I think, and do some acting. So talk about talk about Cody Rhodes. You know, he is uh, he's at quite the crossroads in his career. No, no, no pun intended. Hua. No pun intended. Hua. I mean, he could literally be the champion of like one of three to five major promotions in the world right now. Yeah. If he wanted to. Well, cause we talked last week about the fact that he's got two title opportunities over the course of like three weeks yeah. between ring of honor and new Japan. Yeah. And he, he could, I'm sure t- TNA or impact would put the belt on him. I don't know how much. I mean, he's not like going for it. I don't know how much he's doing with Impact at this point. Not much, but he could. You know, Um, it's just crazy. Like it's it especially the 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 Ring of Honor New Japan thing. Like if he held both those titles at the same time, that would be like one of those moments that people would look back on in thirty years and be like, "What? The same guy had both of those titles at one point?" You know. Well, uh, he's not in Impact anymore, so we don't have to worry about that. Right, I'm just saying. I think Impact was getting away from guys who were doing multiple commitments, like guys who were also doing stuff in ROH, which I think Impact would be smart to not do that. Well, when has Impact ever done anything smart? uh, When they put the title on AJ Styles in the mid-2000s. Okay, that's one time. When they put the ti- when they put Samoa Joe near the top of the card pretty regularly, they impact is a great story of what happens when you can't get out of your own way. Yeah. Although I'm, most I'm, most failing promotions, although Impact still stays alive, most you know, uh, failing promotions kind of sound the same. Though. Do you know what the kind of you know uh, what do they call it when there's a bunch of factors leading up to something, but then there's like the immediate factor that. Uh, you know, pushes it over the cliff. You know what I mean? Straw like, that breaks a camel's back. Right, but there's like a word for it. It's usually in like wars. Like this was the factor that actually started the war, even though there was tension. Whatever that term is <laughs> for why TNA got uh, canceled from Spike TV. So they they were already obviously Spike was already considering canceling TNA. It wasn't the ratings that it had been getting, and nothing was kind of looking good on the horizon i guess spike was moving in another direction they had had wrestling on there i can tell you what killed it was hulk hogan what killed it was hulk but 
the the actual factor of when Spike was like considering renewing their contracts with TNA, the Spike executives, as a shoot, told Dixie Carter and TNA that they did not want Vince Russo working for TNA in any capacity. So, to get around this, Dixie Carter secretly hired Vince Russo, kept it from all the boys and a lot of the writers, I think maybe four, five, six people in the company knew. Vince Russo, thinking he's sending an email to Mike Tanay, sends an email to Mike Johnson, who is a wrestling reporter, and in the email is sensitive insider TNA information about storylines and stuff like that. TNA freaks out. They don't actually go to Mike Johnson, but the story obviously gets out because it's a huge story. You know, Vince Russo has secretly been working for TNA for X amount of months. He's been on the payroll. Uh, Spike TV hears about that and canceled. So... (laughs) There's a reason Dixie Carter doesn't run that thing anymore or own it. She made a lot of bad choices. Think we can all agree. Her, I guess, her heart was in the right place, but everything else was not. Yeah, funny that that if you look at Impact as TNA as far as when they were at their best, oddly enough, it had to do when when Jeff Jarrett was involved. That's true. Because what's funny is a lot of people will say that Jeff Jarrett was kind of the death of that organization, but if you think about it, while I think Jeff Jarrett did kind of late-era WCW nonsense with relying too much on older stars. All that did was get worse when he left. Yes. When he was done with the company, he had gone off to start doing his... He had gone off to go do Global Force Wrestling at that point. That yeah. pretty much... I mean, he... It just got a lot worse. And all it did was kill the kind of homegrown talent, which that's something TNA did better than WCW, I think, ever did. They had really good homegrown talent, guys like AJ Styles, guys who maybe played their or who built themselves up in places like Ring of Honor in the early 2000s, who they brought in like Samoa Joe or Christopher Daniels, Kazarian. I mean, there was there was so many of those types of guys. Uh, Eric Young is another really good example. Mm-hmm. Guys who they did get legitimate Low-key. pushes, but what ended up happening is. As it drew along, more and more WWE or old WCW guys continued to get top billing regularly. And I think, you because so you look at Sting coming in and wrestling, he helped, but... Sting was definitely a company guy there. Yeah, I think um, one of the things... Not like some of the others. Not when you... So I, the way I look at it is you look at the, the run of of additions in about 2008 to 2011. And those are, um, those include guys. Now, oddly, some of these guys turned out in the long run to be really good ideas, but initially didn't work or never panned out. Guys like Mick Foley, Mm -hmm. guys like Ric Flair, Mm -hmm. Booker T. Mm -hmm. Kevin Nash was kind of already there at that point. He was in and out, but I don't think he ever really... He got too involved yeah um 
And guys, uh, Scott Steiner continued to stick around. Yep. He had already been there a little bit, a little bit of time, but it seemed like his role got more prominent when it probably shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Hulk Hogan is in that time period. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the guys like Jeff Hardy in his initial run right. Rob with them. Van Dam. Rob Van Dam, who I was happy to see on TV, but never really seemed to click. Yeah, just I think the problem was there was a lot of retre- uh, retreading old ground with a lot of, like, specifically RVD, and, and it, w- it was similar to a lot of other guys. So they weren't really doing anything new. They were just kind of playing their greatest hits. And when you do that, you're you're only going to cater to a certain person. And if you're trying to grow and, and blossom out of the, the impact zone, it's not really going to go too well, you know. Like, for instance, Jeff Hardy in his initial run was kind of just the same old Jeff Hardy we'd seen. And it wasn't until the whole broken stuff well, where that really kind of popped TNA's ratings again. So, so to an extent, I think that glosses over a bit too much because Jeff Hardy in initially was the same old Jeff Hardy. At, at, at the very first mm-hmm. bit, he was initially the same Jeff Hardy. Um but what we saw over the course of time is he kind of went in a direction. He kind of in really went strange. He, you could tell how much he had a certain level of creative control. And he came out with a lot more face paint and came out kind of these weird entrances. And then, of course, the um, – what was it? Um, uh, the 2010 – where he had the match against Sting. Sacrifice? Was it Sacrifice? I think it was. Um, Could have been something else. Turning Point? No. No. Something. I think it was Sacrifice. Hard Justice? I don't think it was Hard Justice. Oh, t- TNA had so many weird, <laughs> um, so many weird uh, uh, pay-per-view names. Pay-per-view names. Oh, I'm struggling. We're, we're, we're cycling back to our last conversation. Pay-per-view names? Yep. Victory Road. Victory Road. That's what it was. Victory Road right. 2011. Yeah, that went poorly. Uh, yeah. And that was a low but point I mean, in Jeff's life, yeah, too. Yeah, it, so, it was. It so, was. And I think it was good to see him kind of turn that around. And then, of course, Matt Hardy came in. Mm-hmm. And it was just – I think Matt Hardy initially was kind of like the nail in the coffin as far as where TNA was. Because he came in and he was, he was Matt Hardy and, you know, he was – Kind of the same character, but instead of he was a mid Carter, but now he's suddenly in the main event all the time, and it's like, but you just seem like, oh, the, he's not good enough to make it over there, but over here he's a superstar, and that's well, kind of the trap they fell into, and they fell into it long before that. With uh, they Christian. did, they did, and uh, Christian is a decent example of that. Um, we saw a lot of guys that that did the same thing. Um, but, of course, obviously Matt Hardy got a chance to develop and evolve, right. and it turned into one of Impact's most profitable ga- uh, characters and gimmicks in years. Yeah. But now we're kind of back to where we were. Bobby Lashley's yeah. the one of their biggest names. EC3, who was a castaway from WWE, who I still think was actually good. Yeah. And just didn't quite have the right circumstances. EC3 who I don't even remember what his WWE name was. Uh, um, it was something It was something very WWE. We, 
you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it was generic. It was like, was it Tyler? Nah. Uh, anyways, so, but what were... Th- Derek Bates. Derek Bates, that's the one. Yeah, it was so generic. Yeah, it was very generic. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've fallen into the, the trap of putting themselves lower. You know, it'd be like if... um, Who's like one of the underneath guys in... um like Ring of Honor, New Japan, or Lucha Underground, or something like that. Oh, geez, it's hard with those because they all build their talent That's correctly. That's true. They all build. It'd, it'd be like if Cheeseburger <laughs> <laughs> showed up in WWE and was pushed and, to the moon and just and just beat the Miz or be, screw it, beat uh, Bro- uh, Brock Lesnar <laughs> and became Universal Champion. That would really kind of ruin the whole thing. It would be like if an actor, say a David Arquette, became your promotions. <laughs> I don't know. Just pick any guy. I mean, Dennis it, that Rodman. Was a, that was such a that was a very interesting uh, reference to an actor from from the uh, whose height was at the late nineties, early two thousands. The who, Scream movies. Who? Uh, where did you pull that reference from? I don't know. I just what made of a you think of guy. David Arquette? I just thought of a random guy. Man. Um, it would really kind of put a damper on the whole thing. It would kind of put this stink that was hard to wash off. And I don't know if that, that that's not the only thing that TNA did wrong. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if any of their mistakes they just kind of never were able to really wash off. Now, you know, Kurt Angle. That Kurt was Angle a was great. Great, huge success, huge asset to the business. And I would say um, that was big. Kurt Angle and Sting were the two best yeah. to kind of come back in. And I think part of it, Kurt Angle had a lot left in the tank, mm-hmm. which I think he still has a little bit left in the tank. And Sting Definitely. was kind of the ultimate company guy. It's just he didn't want to work for Vince. So, yeah. you know, and that's he, something. He, he rode that that grudge out for a long time, maybe a little bit past when it would have been uh, still, I don't want to say good because he was still good when he came back, but still uh, had a lot of the left in the tank. He wasn't the same. It, like you could see he was a couple steps slower. Yeah. He wasn't quite what he used to be. If Sting comes to WWE in 2006, you know we get that WrestleMania match with The Undertaker. D- different story, and you probably have a lot of different matches and stories you could tell. And I think Sting would have been one of the guys. You know, the 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 worry was how are they going to use him? I just don't think Sting would have been one of the guys that they would use incorrectly. He would have been like a Booker T, or you know, th- those guys that they really cultivated. Chris Jericho, you know, um, the Big Show, even, you know. So I don't think Sting would have been one of the guys that went by the wayside. Some of the guys you can tell, you know, Buff Bagwell, sure, you know. Scott Steiner, hey, they gave him a shot. You know? <laughs> they gave 140%. Him a sh- <laughs> 142 and two-thirds or something like that. I don't even remember. Nobody knows because it was so crazy. <laughs> that's the best promo. Like, it's so, so awful. It's everything that's wrong with professional wrestling. But everything that's right. <sighs> it's so terrible. But so it's a, it's, it's a train wreck. You're watching a train wreck, and you cannot stop watching it. All I know is Samoa Joe doesn't have any chance if you do the math yeah. at sacrifice. Now, but, you know, let's not let TNA off the hook. They they have used certain talent totally incorrectly. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Okada 
<laughs> was in DNA for a period of time. Remember when CM Punk was in TNA for a period of time, and they didn't do anything with the, either of those guys. And uh, what an oversight! There's a few of those. There's a few, but hey, you know WWE does the same thing. So, you know, so sometimes they just wouldn't know a diamond if they held it in their hand, and uh, you know, it's just they have enough other diamonds that they can still get by. Um. So, given that we've spent the whole hour and haven't talked about money in the bank, let's at run it down. All, let's run it down. Let's do this quick. Um. No, we don't care about the the pre-show match. Carmella ends up winning Money in the Bank because James Ellsworth climbs the ladder for her. Now, so the first ever women's Money in the Bank match was technically won because of James Ellsworth. Excellent heel move. Not sure about the timing. Not sure about the kind of historicness of it. I feel but like if you do remember the first ever Hell in a Cell ended because of interference. That is true. You know, a little different situation. <laughs> yes, a little different. James little, Ellsworth little more is of not a, Kane. A little more of a succinct storyline. That must story be Kane! Right. Um, That's got to be Kane! But, you know, it is it is still historic, and, uh, you know, James Ellsworth not will go down those... in history. There's always going to be that video package. You're not ever going to be able to see that shot of the first woman to win money in the bank standing on top of the ladder holding the briefcase because technically that was James Ellsworth. <laughs> technically that's true. Although we have now we're going to scrub history because we now know we're getting a rematch. Okay. On SmackDown next week. So I want to just talk about this real quick. We have not had a money in the bank on free TV ever. Ever. It's true. Are we wiping away the first match entirely? Or is James Ellsworth still the first women's money in the bank champion? I think you um I think you make it null and void. Um so I don't think it'll actually be on the record book, but there is none, it's all the if work. If Carmella wins, does any of this even matter? Here's the here's I have a couple things because some of the matches we don't really have to get into, but this is we one. We won't really. We'll go through the rest right. quickly. We're gonna focus on the money in the bank. This match. is this is a major one. Two things. They show, in the same night, a tweet from Daniel Bryan. They show it on the big screen. He's disappointed. He's disgusted. He's outraged that the women's Money in the Bank match ended with James Ellsworth climbing the ladder and getting the briefcase. So one could, and he's going to return to SmackDown after X amount of months off to address the situation. So one could infer or take an educated guess that maybe Daniel Bryan was going to come out and I don't know strip Carmella of the Money in the Bank briefcase so if you're Carmella wouldn't you kind of think you have uh, about 48 hours to cash in that Money in the Bank briefcase before it's taken from you I, have I know the, they teased it I feel the exact same way because the tease feels like it did nothing. It, all it did was muddy. Nothing. It muddied a championship match that didn't need it. Mm -hmm. That was okay on its own. Just okay. And actually only hurt the heel. Yep. So I'm confused because now you. So Naomi looks weak because yes. 
she required Lana to get distracted for her to pick up the win. Yes. Lana looks dumb. Super dumb. She looks dumb because she didn't finish her match nope. when she had a chance to win. Carmella looks dumb. For not cashing in. If she had cashed in right there, it doesn't matter what Daniel Bryan does. At that point, she's got the belt. She is so going to strip the title from her, right? And then she has a legitimate gripe, right? But so, no, so, so you she, basically she, the only the person, tweet. the only person who looks smart in this situation is James Ellsworth. <laughs> Somehow that's true because <laughs> he's the only one that did the right thing and made history, <laughs> and, and made history and was memorable. So, so all of this, and you could have, if you're WWE, if Carmella cashes in. I know you. I think they really like having Naomi as champion. She's the only face champion right now. Mm-hmm. I know you really like having her as champion. That was a great time to pull the trigger because you tell a so much more interesting story on SmackDown. There's so many, you know, threads to pull on there, which is always the mark of a great wrestling angle. Is if there's a lot of room for you to go, we could go this way, we could go that way, and they're all going to be good. Um, okay, so that's the first thing. Second thing about the match, it's a little more meta. You have um, people paying for the WWE Network. You also have people uh, around the world buying the pay-per-view, spending money to see the first ever women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Huh, that's a problem. Because now, what they've paid to see doesn't matter. And you can watch it for free on TV next week. And that one will matter more than what they paid to see. I did not think that the WWE would ever make this mistake. And for those of you who are thinking... Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it kind of is. Um, I get that their SmackDown ratings and live attendance haven't been that great as of late. But when you start devaluing your special events to get a slightly higher rating one week of television. You're going full WCW. You're going full WCW. You're you're going down a dark path that um, very quickly, um, extremely quickly, can get out of hand and can really do a lot of damage. Um, PC, because there's no point in paying for the network or buying a pay-per-view if whatever happens that night means nothing in the storyline. Literally means nothing. Right. In the... Nothing came out of it, right? Carmella got to hold the briefcase for five minutes at the beginning of SmackDown. That's it. Um, so now we're gonna now we're gonna do it for real, you know. Um, slightly different story if they put it on SummerSlam or the next pay per view. Um, it's a little different because you're building to the next pay per view, and I can understand that more. But this would have been a great. This would have been a great thing to put at Battleground. Yeah, which is the next SmackDown pay per view because you can build this up. Yeah. Main event battleground with this, um, it's it's just a it's a pretty big mistake, and I'll be interested to see uh, 
the effect that this has coming down the line. Now I now I get before, you know, you have a thought of well, what's more important to them? I get that they're probably making more money um, through their TV rights than through the network, but <laughs> let's say for some some reason their contract with NBC Universal uh, gets absolved. Your fans, your diehard fans, are still going to come back and pay for the network. There's people that will pay for it and watch WWE to the day they die. I'm probably one of those people. But you're not going to do yourself any favors when you kind of, in a way, screw those people out of their money. Even if it's just 10 bucks a month, you know. It's just, it's bad. Anyway, let's move on. That's just my opinion. Well, it cheapens the whole idea because the whole pay-per-view is around this match. Right. And a lot of people have said, and I think rightly so, we've got the big four. The big four, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and the Royal Rumble. The closest one to, the closest event they've had to cracking that, cracking into that top four. And in many cases, that event's been better than one or two of the top four in a given year. Mm -hmm. Money in the Bank. Because it's such a unique match concept as far as WWE is doing something very specific. Yeah. That, you know, other people could do this, but this is a WWE thing. Like, Hell in a Cell, it's a bigger, like, Hell in a Cell, bigger steel cage with a roof. Right. You know, Elimination Chamber, kind of the same. Hell in a Cell with cells. Um, Yeah. I mean. Pods. With pods. Hold on. I want to get my branding right. Yeah. Money in the Bank is really unique. Yes, it is a ladder match, but it's a ladder match for one of the most interesting storyline um, devices Devices that is in professional wrestling today. When you pull and it has back, been yeah. for the past 12 years. When you pull it back to like theater, because that's what it is, this is the Chekhov's gun, um, which is in plain view... Uh, forget the name of the play but it's uh it's just a kind of uh, uh analogy for something that you can see all the time and because you see it all the time you don't pay any attention to it but once it becomes a part of the story it changes the entire story that's the beauty of the money in the bank briefcase it's it's that plot device that's always there but can completely alter the plot once it's implemented into it. So it is a big thing, and and I think I think it maybe in many ways it is part of the big four above Survivor Series at this point. Um, you know, back in the day they had uh, King of the Ring, and that was kind of encroaching into that big four spot. Um, now they don't do King of the Ring. Really, King of the Ring has been replaced by Money in the Bank. Really, it has, and I think Money in the Bank's been more successful. I actually wish they would bring back King of the Ring because I think I it, that, yeah. it's a cool concept, and you could do a lot of cool things with it. They just cheapened it so much over the last 10 years every oh, time they ran you it. I see you pulled up the Chekhov's gun Wikipedia page. I'm hoping no one's uh, made a mistake with this, but yeah, you're right. It's essentially it's an item that is there to, you know, it's always there. But you don't put it there unless you plan to use it. Right. So that's pro wrestling sticks to this more than most. If you pull a table out, you better use it or that you will disappoint 
the audience. Right. So you know, that's why the announce tables are so good because you don't know when they're going to go there. If you pull out a table from under the ring, someone's going through it by the end of the match. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to do. I mean, at this point now, if there's a ladder nearby, someone's going through the ladder. It's in every ladder match now. Remember when that was a surprise thing that never happened? Remember when Jeff Hardy jumped off a ladder, I think it was at 23, yep. and went through Edge, and it was like a 20-foot ladder in real life? Yeah, and it was like the craziest thing you'd ever seen. You were like, I didn't know ladders could break, you know? I knew Edge could, and I think he just did. <laughs> I but think he did, yeah. Um, again, one of those things that's really special, but if you do it too often, people start to expect it. And, um, you know, like... It's 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 just a different psych- psychological thing. Like, for instance, in the uh, Kenny Omega uh, Okada rematch at Dominion, they teased the uh, dragon suplex off the top rope that they had done in January. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it, but they were st- there was still equity in the fact that they had done it in January. You know, um, they're they're still getting return on their investment, so to speak. So if Jeff Hardy jumped off the ladder on the edge at WrestleMania 23 and then the next year at WrestleMania 24 went to do it again and the crowd started freaking out because they knew it was coming and then gets cut off, you could you could ride that train, you know. Then maybe he doesn't do it again. Maybe nobody goes through a ladder again for a whole other year. You know? He might have done that, except for he was suspended and he couldn't be at WrestleMania 24. That's true. Just a just a tidbit that actually. I was has, just speaking. No, to your to your hypothetical, yes, it it makes perfect sense. It just you, I had to I'm throw that to in there because of the, uh, the if you have a big spot, you don't have to continue to do it. You can just tease it and not do it. Which and is, then wait longer to do it and build the want back up, which is, or else you're going to do what WWE has done with pretty much everything and run it into the ground. False finishes everywhere. Okay. If I'm not kicking out on a two count, I'm not kicking out. Uh, so, but you agree with we, with me on the women's money in the bank bag? Yes. Okay. I think the much more interesting story is Carmella cashes in that night. Definitely. There's so many wins the title and then like she. At that point, are you going to strip the title from her? Right. And maybe, maybe you do. Because at maybe that you point, strip the title from her, and then you could build up a story that is everyone. You could have as much as I'm tired of the entire division being involved in this storyline. You could do it one more time and do a blow off a battleground where everyone is going for this title, and you could have it in some sort of specialty match, an elimination match, or, or maybe an elimination match would have been the way to go, but now you can't do that. If you still want to pop your ratings, you know, you, so Carmella gets the briefcase with the help of Ellsworth. She cashes in. She beats Naomi. And instead of stripping her of the title, next week on SmackDown, you hang the title and you have another women's ladder match, this time for the title. Which I thought about that too, and that doesn't cheapen Money in the Bank. No, it doesn't cheapen Money in the Bank. It'll pop your ratings. It'll give you ev- the same everything. Um, and then you could still build to Battleground st- yeah, in absolutely. a way that makes sense. Now it's just like, I just feel like they wasted a great opportunity, which they seem to do on a regular basis. Um, yeah. Let's move on because we are way over time. Baron Corbin is Mr. Money in the Bank. Are you surprised? I am. Yeah, I am. Because he was one of my dark horses. Um. I just don't think it's the best way to build his character, especially right now, like they teased on Tuesday, him coming out and trying to get into the head of Jinder Mahal. Which who's is also cheapened 
by the fact that Carmella did the exact same thing two nights before. Right. So, um, I just don't get it. I would and have. Sheamus did it a ton when yeah. he won the briefcase two years ago. Well, again, it's like one of those things. It used to be if you came out with the briefcase, you were cashing it in. And then it wasn't for a couple of years before they started teasing it, you know. Which I don't think is a bad idea, but when you do it so constantly, nobody even... cares. It cheapens that moment. Yeah. Because when it happens the first time, you have the big reaction. Except for, this is the first time when I've heard that person's music hit. I immediately knew he's not cashing in. There's no way he's cashing in. Jinder Mahal is the champion. He's not taking the title. At this point, it wouldn't make any sense. It would be stupid. It's not going to happen. There's no sense of like, oh, he could totally do this here. It's like, no, he's going to walk to the ring. He's going to hold up the briefcase. And again, the only person who comes out of that looking good is Jinder Mahal. It's not yeah. It's not Baron Corbin, who now looks like he's a coward. He looks weak. To a coward. It's definitely not Luke Harper, who had the biggest distraction you can have, and he lost. Yeah. Anyways. Now, to their credit, they, tried to, they got the Singh brothers involved. The way to do that was to get them in the match and have them get disqualified. Have Luke Harper pick up the win by disqualification. It doesn't make Jinder look weak, but they just want to have Jinder hitting his finisher every week. Yeah, and it's it's that part. It's too bad because that would have been a perfect time that the Singh brothers get involved. Everything makes sense. Nobody looks bad, and that keeps Baron Corbin from cashing in because right. then the Singh brothers are in the ring, and, and then, then it's three on one. And then, like in another sense, if you want to look at it, like okay, this is supposed to be um, depicting a sport, right? Um, when in a boxing, I mean, it's not really fair analogy but when in any other sport would somebody just randomly come out to the field of play and run around distract the players and then run off you know why why would somebody be allowed to to tell the sound guy and the light guy and the pyro guy to say play my music um during the middle of a main event match like who's giving the okay on this you know you in my mind that you should only be able to do that if you've told the GM or the who is ever officiating the match in the back, you know, that you're going to cash in. Otherwise, there's a fine or something like that. Like, just a thinking person could easily get to that conclusion. Like, why are they allowed to just come out and distract? And if that's okay, why don't people do that all the time? Why don't heels come out all the time and just distract whoever there in the match why not every single match where the baby faces up why doesn't his rival come out and distract him if it's just so if anyone can do it <laughs> if it, it's wwe universe mode in 2k at this point yeah uh press button to distract yeah so come out hit him with a steel chair nobody gets disqualified we go to the back <laughs> we go for an awkward renee young segment um all right so that's uh one last thing for you, because we're well over. Baron Corbin, uh, give me your timetable. Is this going to be a short Money in the Bank uh, run with that briefcase? Short, up to three months. Uh, medium, up to six. Uh, long, nine months or longer. I think it really depends on 
whenever they have Ginger drop the belt to a baby face. Do you think it would happen that quickly? I think so, because I think they'll probably keep the title on Ginger. You know, I'm speculating here because I don't know, but maybe keep the title on Ginger until um, December. Uh, lose it to... Do you think he carries it through Survivor Series? I think so. That's uh, a lot of pay-per-views. Yeah, I know. Um, loses it to, you know, AJ Styles or um, Nakamura. Baron Corman comes out, cashes in, and then whoever he beats when he cashes it in wins the Royal Rumble, and there's your SmackDown uh, main event. Interesting. Uh, it's styles would make a lot of sense. Yeah. You know who else would make a lot of sense? And they've got time to build it would be Zane. Because they keep Zane is on the fringes of the main event scene anyway. So yeah. I could see where you could kind of have Mahal goes against Zane, say at Summer, uh, not SummerSlam, Survivor Series. You build up to that. You could have that. And then Corbin is the one that takes it away from him. Yeah, but just depends it, on how long the Zane Corbin the, feud is going to move. Go you on. have to do the whole thing, like you have to do confetti and balloons, and Zane's <laughs> over as a super baby. To face. be fair, we saw that two years ago with Reigns. I know. I'm okay with not having the confetti. It, it's always a nice added touch. I mean, in my opinion, they should have not done it for Reigns. But well, to be fair though, that was that actually was the most over Reigns has been since the Shield broke up was not long after that when uh, Sheamus took his title and they built up over the course of about six weeks a great story where Reigns ended up winning the championship back. And then it went downhill because they just pushed Reigns as super, yeah. like superhero Reigns again. And they had him and they lost him. Yep. All right, so that's it for this week. We are so over time. Uh, but uh, um, maybe because next week we don't have to worry about any pay-per-views at mm -hmm. least not in an immediate great balls of fire is coming up soon we are on the road to great balls of fire goodness gracious um so uh, we'll figure out what we'll talk about next week if there's any news big news that breaks we'll talk about it um we'll see how mike canellis mike and maria canellis is going to play out over the next week or so yep um but otherwise maybe we'll do some more uh undertaker matches or maybe we'll look at more posters because that's been a great idea. We'll just go through some photo albums. Um, come uh, come out to Dover, Delaware this Saturday. Rampage Pro Wrestling at the Delaware Egg Museum. I'll be there wrestling in tights. That's good. Yeah. That's good. You should be wrestling in tights. I just want to get that plug out there. I mean, you could wrestle in jeans. That's half the WWE roster at this point. That's true. Don't want to look indie, though. Yeah, that's, 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 so that's true. Get some gear, kid. You don't want to look like an indie guy. Um pretty sure John Cena's wrestled in jorts for uh, 15 years, and he's done okay. And pretty sure John Cena's wrestled in jorts since about 2005 or 2004, so yeah. yeah. All right, um, that'll do it for us this week. Um, we don't have the plug bit at the end for this episode because software sucks. But So we'll just do this. Um, catch Lee Brando on Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at Lee Brando underscore. Yep. Find him on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando. He's the one that looks like a wrestler. Yep. Add him as a friend on Facebook. Add him as, I no, want to be your friend. Don't like. You want to be friends? Add as a friend. I'll be your friend. Add as a I'll friend. Be, I'm not afraid. Quality content. I'll be your friend. 
if you're friends with with him on uh, with him on Facebook, you can get Ty Awesome Tuesday updates. That's uh, true. Just off to the side because he gets tagged in those things. <laughs> we should have him on here at some point and have him we, talk about. We need Ty to do awesome more Tuesday. interviews. We do. Yeah. We knew we need to we need to reach out. So if you're if you're an independent wrestler or any kind of wrestler and you want to be on a quality program, thumb wrestler. I, we'll take a thumb wrestler. I'll take a thumb wrestler. Um, I'm we'll, not afraid. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll do an interview with you. Uh, follow the show. Uh, send us an email over the barricade podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, all of our social media, Facebook and Twitter. So all two uh, at barricade show. Uh, search for Over the Barricade podcast on Facebook and uh, at uh, SoundCloud.com slash Barricade Show. Search for us on iTunes and Google Play. Just search Over the Barricade podcast, and you'll find us. And uh, I need to special thanks to Wikipedia. Special thanks to Wikipedia. You've been a lifesaver. And uh, let us know your favorite WWE pay per view posters because I'm actually intrigued. Or pay per view name. Or pay-per-view names, I'll take it. Or your least favorite TNA pay-per-view name, because there's a few of those too. About 12 of them. About 12. All right, bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>